Hello and welcome to another weekly teaching from Vineyard Community Church, St. Louis. Well, this is our teaching, and Caleb got us to open up last week. I thought he did an amazing job, actually. I, I, would, I would say go back, all of them do this, but especially since we're starting the series, go back and listen to it if you didn't, or watch it at vcclife.org. You can go right to, this, to watching it or listening to it. I think it'd be helpful. Uh, I am known on the teaching team for not having good titles. They pretty well take my titles and said, that sounds like a sentence or two. You don't, titles need to be mysterious a bit and catchy, but true. And I say, I got an idea. Once you other people come up with the titles, this one, I would say is one of our best titles ever. I, the reason I like it well, probably because it's a quote from John Wimber, but that's probably. But at that, but it is so good because it describes exactly what we're talking about in kind of a catchy way. Is the way in? You'll explain. I'll explain a little bit more. Is the way on? We're all wanting to go to where God wants us to go, right? We know that's that's life to the full. How do you get there? The way in is the way on, and that's what the whole series is going to be about. And even though Caleb did a great job, I'm just going to use his slides and tell you what he said. This is the very short version, not all what he said. You need to listen to it. But basically, we started because we're transitioning from this, this, all this discussion about the kingdom of God. We've been talking about the kingdom of God for quite a while. You notice that? Like all year long, except for one short series uh, that still tied the kingdom of God. But we've been talking about the kingdom of God for all 2023. And one thing about the kingdom of God is that, you know, in the time when we look in Scripture... The, Israel was always waiting for the kingdom to come. In Jesus' day, people were long, all the Jews were longing for the kingdom of God to come. And as they thought about that, they had to understand and picture that. And typically they pictured of, like, there's a messianic king, and there's a divine rule, and the Romans are off our back, and there's all kinds of probably many different ways they thought about it. Some thought about it geographically. And so what we talked about when Jesus came on the scene as the king... He wasn't the king they expected. That was the first thing. Like, that's not what I was expecting. And then when he spoke about his kingdom, they thought, that wasn't what I was expecting. And they started, but when we start understanding what we mean by the kingdom of God, we see all the way through scripture and Jesus' teachings, it's an active rule and reign. It brings the order that brings life, the shalom that brings. So that is the kingdom of God. It's a rule and reign. It's not a geographical location. It's a rule and reign of Jesus, the divine king. And we, when you hear the talking about the kingdom of God, it's very intimate. It's talking about it's near, it's personal, it's holistic. And there's this thing about the kingdom is it's something you can, all re- you can be received, right? And so as we t- we've talked about that, you know, then he went on to talk about how when uh, the Jews were looking for the kingdom, they're saying, it's going to be obvious when it comes, right? It's just going to, it's going to be so obvious that it's come, right? And so then he, he, he used this verse, I thought it was interesting, King James Version. Neither say, lo here or lo there. That's when you're really trying to get to the right text when you have to go to King James, in my opinion. Uh, but that is actually a very good translation, even though we don't use it very much. It's just, uh, it's hard to, to understand. But basically, at the, what it's saying there is, when you're looking, oh, it must be there. The kingdom of God, has it come here? Or, oh, has the kingdom of God here? You know, they're looking for it in that way. You know, you may not say low there, but behold, 
the kingdom of God is within you. And I believe that actually, you'll see it in NIV as a note, it's the same thing, and also in King James. But that's really what it's talking about. The kingdom of God, what does that mean? But when you start understanding what the kingdom of God is within you, he says, well, if that's the case, if the reign is this active reign of God's kingdom, and it's on the inside of us, right? It's God has come to dwell with us, right? We see that all the way in Scripture. We look at it and say, we must follow Jesus in to those places. That's where he's the way in is the way on. And this is, I thought, an example of just his, his uh, practice I thought was really good because this is what I hope you've been doing this week. You've just been praying this prayer in Psalms. Is search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me. That's the, I'm letting God in to the spots in me. And then the way on is, and now lead me to everlasting life. That's how we get led, is by going in. You know, um, a song that, I, don't, I think we've sang it here before, uh, but it's by Brenton Brown in 2006. He says, Lord, reign in me, reign in your power over all my dreams in my darkest hour. You are the Lord of all I am. Won't you reign in me again? Isn't that a good song? When you understand what you were saying there, you're saying, I welcome your kingdom's reign in me, and I long for the kingdom's reign in all those I love around me in this world. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come is our prayer, our daily prayer. Come and rule and reign. And we're saying that not just in an outward way, but we're saying we want this to take place through our heart. Right? And so, you know, uh, most of you are too old to probably know this pamphlet. Who's ever heard of the pamphlet? It's a, a little Christian pamphlet from ages ago, back when they printed things, um, called My Heart, Christ Home. Have you ever, ever heard that pamphlet? All right, that's, that's pretty popular, yeah. So, this is really, uh, I didn't do, do well with the written stuff. Uh, not that I couldn't read it, I could do that. But I, I, I just... You know, the tracks back in the 70s and all the stuff. I just didn't do much with it. But that one got me. Man, I remember thinking, wow, this, this explains it. And the whole under, premise of this little tiny pamphlet was we, we understand God wants to dwell and we're his place he wants to dwell. So we're his home. He's wanting to make us his home. Right? And so the idea, this simple principle is we have to invite him into our home heart, right? And so, and then the premise is that, by the way, he wants to live in the whole house. Now that sounds good at first until you think, my house is kind of a mess, right? I got some stuff in the closets that I'm not sure. And so I remember in this story, a book, is the person left Jesus in the foyer, <laughs> Some of you might have them in the garage. Some of you might be keeping up. But the reality is, it's like, this is the part I've entered in. It will stay right here. And I just don't pay attention to him in the foyer. But his desire is, what? To come into the whole house. 
And I'm thinking, ooh, that, I didn't know I signed up for this. I mean, this is like, I was glad. And so for me, a lot of times, you know, this is what we're going to be talking about, this place of allowing God in to whatever is who you are right now and what you're, what you're, where you're at right now. Not one time, but as a way of living. And so today, really it's going to be the one point that God, you're, you're already loved right now. So when does that happen? It's already there. Everybody in this room right now is already loved by God. Right? Now, we hear we love so much we just let it go wrong. Today I want you to think, I want to really consider what that means. Everybody in this room is already loved by God. And, uh, you know, I, I, if you look at this place, and there's basically two points that I'm going to be making, just emphasizing, they all to go together to say that God loves you. And the first is, where the starting point is, God is love. Most of you, anybody has heard that. <laughs> but it really is uh, the message that we see throughout the Bible. And, and he is the actual source of love. He's not a loving God. He is a loving God. But the reason he's loving God is because he is love. There's a difference in how we look at that. God is love. And what we see even through Scripture, Old Testament to New Testament, we see a God who is longing for a people to be in a place of receiving and giving love and having that relationship all the way through. And he goes to crazy lengths. And the humans are always about like we are. <laughs> Sinful, flawed, confused humans that do a lot of things wrong and do some horribly evil things and it doesn't change. God loves you. Now, you know, this whole thing of love, it's, you know, it's, truth is truth. What we see is that you can see, you know, we're, we're made in God's image. Now, we, we've, sin's distorted that, the fall's distorted that, but, you know, um, we can see God in each other if we look. We, there's, a, there's, a, there, there's things that are distorted in that, but we can see God. We're made in actually His image. It means like we're all, we have things like Him. Here's something that I believe God has, and we have too. We long to love, we long to be loved and to love. Maybe God reverses that one, but, but every human, that's what it gets down to. I mean, study after study have shown that. Your greatest need that you have at the deepest level of who you are is to be loved and to love. And it applies to babies. You know? And actually, they've done research, it applies to babies in the womb. It's crazy. The trauma that, if they're not loved, it, it affects. 
There's all these studies <laughs> over and over, but we kind of know it without studies, right? If you've raised a kid and you realize, wow, they have a very clear need to be loved. <laughs> and as a mom, you're thinking, I need it back. And then you get it for a while in, junior, in grade school, and then it goes away and <laughs> call it teenage years, and maybe we'll get it back. So the reality is that we can see it everywhere we go. We, we can see it in your child in elementary. You can see it in the youth. And it doesn't take long. You can be 100 years old, and then you still have that longing. Right? Don't you? To be loved and to love. And we see culture in their crazy different ways of approaching it with all their definitions of love, but it's still based in that spot. I did a song search this morning on, like, love, I want love, I need love. <laughs> it's just like everywhere, right? The Beatles said, all you need is love. And then they broke up. That's a quote. <laughs> but that's actually from Larry Norman's song. So, I mean, so um, that's, that's where, but we don't know how to get to it. Right? I love my wife. We've been married uh, 43 years. And, <laughs> whew, but I'm not perfect in my love. Or, so, anyway, so, but I love that. And it's part of God's design to want to be loved by people. I'm not saying there's wrong with that. But you know what I'm saying. It, it doesn't do what we're talking about here. Right? And so as we look at that, I just want you to begin thinking just, you know, when I first became a Christian, this was a really, you know, my concept of how much God loves me, I thought was like, wow, this is amazing because I've been forgiven of all this stuff that I don't deserve to be forgiven of. I could actually, I actually felt that so strongly. I remember thinking to myself as I'm, I'm feeling this, I'm thinking, this is amazing. I will never, I will, I will try to stay faithful to you the rest of my life for this deal you did for me here. Like this exchange of you doing, I'm glad. But I didn't quite comprehend that he had more than that for me, right? I didn't, I was kind of like, uh, you know, that you, you've seen those people like, uh, who have had a, like this, and they, are we good? We good? Yeah, we're good. That was me, with God. Like, we good? <laughs> yeah, in fact, I think he might even like me, all right? I don't know. But I just like, okay, I'll try to stay out of your way now. Thanks for loving me. I'll try to do a good job to respond to this love that you've shown me. And that's kind of how I looked at it. I kind of kept him in the entryway. <laughs> I just kind of said, you stay in the entryway. I, and it's so good to have you in the entryway because, man, if a fire breaks out, I can come find you, right? If I don't know what to do in a situation, I'm going to come back in the entryway and say, come help me. And you actually always help me. This is a great deal, right? And it really worked. You know, uh, but do you understand? I know we say it all the time. Just take this in. God loves you personally. I mean, not, you know, the world, uh, you know, did you know this? God has the whole world in his hands. Okay. Probably theologically correct, but sometimes the imagery of eight billion people in one hand <laughs> doesn't feel too personal, Right? But God wants to be present with me and love me 
not later, but right now, with what's going on with me right now. Pretty hard to take in. And the reason the two things that I'll just be saying in different ways all morning is God is love and God loves you. That's the message today. I want you to just pause for a second. I want you to close your eyes. And all I'm going to do is I'm going to read some verses, probably verses many that you've heard before. And I want you to just close your eyes and I want you to take in these verses as true for you, <laughs> not those other people, right? So close your eyes. I'll just read verses. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither the present nor future, nor any power, neither height nor depth, or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn, I have drawn you with my unfailing kindness. As the Father has loved me, I have loved you. See what a great love the Father has lavished on us. That we shall be called children of God, and that's who we are. I pray, God, that you will teach us how we can grasp, that we can grasp how wide and how long and how high and deep is the love of Christ so that we can know this love that surpasses knowledge, that each person here will be filled with a full measure of God. God loves you. If Jesus was here, he would be speaking the truth when he looks at you and says, I love you. Lord, just give us ability to keep taking that in today. All right. The scripture we're going to use today is Romans 5, 1 through 8. This is an NIV, but you can look it up on your phones if you like a different version or you watch, follow along. We're just going to go through this, this as sections and close with one verse that I think that summarizes the final, a couple of final points. So it starts out and says, Therefore we have been justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have obtained our introduction by faith, that's letting him in the house, into his great grace in which we stand, and we celebrate in hope of the glory of God. Now, as we look at that, we, we recognize that in that we see these words that because of Christ we've gained this trust, this faith. We've been justified, that feeling of we've been made right and forgiven and made right with God, right? These relational things, all of a sudden we're at peace with God because we've been introduced to God and we've experienced 
His grace. And grace is undeserved favor. We've experienced it. And it goes on to say, and now we stand in it. In other words, we live in a place in which we stay in a place of receiving things we don't deserve to greater and greater degrees. And, it, and we hope in those things. We, you look at this, and it, it looks at this spot where it talks about hope. We celebrate, you know, in the hope of the glory of God. So we're at this spot of living in expectation of the, the goodness of God that we'll, keep, we'll experience ahead of time, right? And we can live in that expectation. But then it goes on in the next section to talk about what, how we do this on earth. He says, and not only this, but we also celebrate, you guys have been celebrating this, in our tribulations, knowing that tribulations bring about perseverance, and perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope, and a hope, and hope does not put us to shame. So what it's saying there is, even in this spot where we're actually a spot of we can celebrate, even in this world, and even with all our brokenness, and all the situations we're around, and even the way, it's, way it should, is not in this world, and evil in this world, in the middle of that comes this place of trouble and, and trials and tribulations. That's just part of life, isn't it? The difference is, we can continue to celebrate, because what happens in these trials and tribulations, these things that are not the way they should be that we face, you guys can make a list right now, couldn't you? Most of you could say, oh, let me make a list. You'd have, oh, and that's not, oh, that's not going well. That's, that's not going, that's, go, that's hard. So some of you are in really difficult trials and tribulations, but it comes back and forth a lot. In those places of trials and tribulations, this crazy thing can happen where all of a sudden those things start becoming places of bringing strength and perseverance in us and start forming us into the place of the likeness and the character of God and, we, and this is a hope that we have in God always coming into deeper and deeper areas and transforming us that will never disappoint or put us to shame. Some translations say disappoint, some say put us to shame. The, the thing usually is, I think put us to shame is probably a little bit more accurate, but it's this place of, have you guys ever hoped in things and you were ashamed that you gave yourself over to that thing to hope in? And you think, ah, uh, you feel shame that you hoped in that thing? That's a lot of things in life. They disappoint. This is one thing you can't miss on this one. It won't dis- you'll have a hope that won't disappoint and you'll be transformed. Now, here's the key, key reason. Because. How can this happen? Because love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And then he explains it. See, at the right, just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though a good person, someone might possibly dare to die, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You are fully loved already. You are 
someone who God loves deeply. And the reason that we can have a trouble and celebrate is because God's with us and he loves us because he has poured his love into our hearts. And when that happens, those things that would normally disform us actually transform us into his likeness. So, and it wasn't, look in verse 8, it wasn't because you did A, B, and C the right way so you had an exchange of love. This happened while you were ungodly and doing all the things and not having any interest in God. He so loved you. So, putting that into just practical terms, if you're here today and you feel far away from God, maybe you've done things or doing things, you just feel dead towards or bad about, you just keep doing them, even though maybe you don't want to keep doing them. You're just stuck. And you maybe have not a place of a relationship with Jesus. You just, here's what you need to know to start out with. God loves you. God loves you. And maybe you're someone who's, maybe you're here, if you're here, maybe you're feeling... Uh, Maybe you haven't committed your life to Jesus, but you're feeling that spot where you think, I feel that a little bit. Or you feel drawn. Sometimes I use the word tugged. You feel this stirring, kind of even a longing for this, but you're not sure what's going on. You're feeling it because God loves you. He loves you. Some of you are, you know Jesus. You've experienced his love. But you know he's in the entryway. And you let him come in as guests at times and when you're in desperate spots. What you need to know is God loves you. He loves you. Some of us are like, I'm in, man. I'm, I'm trying. I'm, really, I'm, open. I'm trying to be as open as I can. I'm fully committed to Jesus. Here's the great news. God loves you more than you understand. He loves you. He wants to show you His love at a deeper level. He will keep doing it. He wants His love to grow in you. Now, a verse that I think is really just a great verse describing this place of God's love and Him loving us is, I, I, I don't know how I can say this theologically and not be in trouble, but John wrote his gospel a little later than the other people did. And I guess there are particular disciples, you know, Luke's trying to get it all exactly right. And, but John... <laughs> I think he, what he gets is the real key point. And he, if you read John, it's God loves you, God loves you, love everybody else, love, 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 all the way through, right? Right? 
The others are all important as well. They're all God-inspired. But John gets this at a level. And you read First John and John, just I'd encourage you, if you want to just read some stuff in this series, read that. Just read, read John and First John. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them, and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in them. And this is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence in the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There's a lot there. But what I'd say in that is God loves you means He wants to be with you. Um, you know, I remember this weird scene in my life when I was a new Christian, and I was sharing my faith with somebody who was kind of a, a bigwig in the place I was working. And have you guys ever, like, failed really big, like saying the most stupid things you could ever say? I literally made a complete fool out of myself in the most humiliating way in trying to talk with this person that I so wanted to do the good thing with. Maybe some of you don't know this. Maybe you think I'm sharp and super intelligent and all that. I'm not. I'm, I'm, I consider myself slightly above Mr. Magoo. Have you guys seen Mr. Magoo? It's like something happens. Oh, there's the plank. It comes in. And I make it all right. You know, I don't know how exactly it works. That's a little bit me, you know. So I don't have Mr. Magoo moments all the time, but many of you around me, I have some Mr. Magoo moments. And I'm telling you, that's the place that shames me. My Mr. Magoo moments shame me. It's like, oh, if I could only write a text right, or whatever. They, they just shame me. The things I do, because I kind of know the right, oh, that was good. I can't do that, but that was good. So I remember all you guys here had this experience, and so after this thing, I was feeling like, it was raining shame. <laughs> and I remember I got in the elevator all by myself, and I tried to hold it together, and I just started going ballistic when I got in the elevator, and I started yelling out to God, I'm an idiot! I'm an I Just every part of shame that was coming on me, I said it out loud to God. <laughs> and yeah. He said the weirdest thing. He says, I like that about you. <laughs> I'm telling you, I had the hardest time receiving that, but I couldn't. It was so vivid. And I'm not saying it was an audible voice, but I mean it was as clear as can be. He said, I like you. That part that you drives maybe you and other people crazy, I like it, sorry. <laughs> I'm thinking, okay, if you're good with it, I'll just keep being Mr. Magoo. You know? So, that's really, and so in that spot, you know, I'm, I realize that, you know, he wants to be with me, and he likes who I am. I don't have to get it, it's just true. And he longs 
for me to receive the love He has for me. We even know that as parents that are so flawed, right? Don't you long for your kids to receive the love you have for them? And doesn't it break your heart when you, they won't receive it? It means God loves you means He desires your response to Him. It's a relationship, and he desires not coercion, not exchange, but he desires a heart response. I was letting him into my heart when I was yelling, right? Sometimes it looks prettier than that. And, and he wants to complete. Now, that doesn't mean that we're going to fix the kingdom come. That's when fully consummated kingdom will experience this, but even in that is that he has a completing of his love, a perfecting of the love that he has within us. And, you know, here's the thing about it is he completes it as we give, we receive it and we give it. We receive it and we give it. That's the completion of love, right? And when that happens, what does it say? It says his love's made complete among us. And, you know, he, he wants us to know and he wants us to rely on his love. There is nothing more loving. I, don't, I think it's one of the deepest forms of worship is when you realize that you're powerless and you rely on his love and you drop yourself and let him in. It's... It, you guys know this, right? You had a kid drop on your lap and collapse and receive from you. Is that the most love you've ever felt by your kid? Yeah. So, getting back to the picture, you got rooms of your life. He really wants access. But he doesn't push his way in. But he loves to dwell in your messy house of your heart not as a guest. Some of us are exhausted from trying to keep the house up for God. <laughs> he prefers it not to be dressed up. He prefers you to bring him in as someone who you can be exactly who you are with. And there's places that he wants you to open up to him. And I know the fear sometimes of what's going to happen when that takes place. But he looks for any opportunity to get that across. And here's the interesting thing about God's love is his love, knowing a little bit of it causing you to respond, will cause you to know more and respond more. If I look at my journals and my diaries that I write down, I can say, wow, that was really supernatural. God did this amazing thing. It had to be God. You know why I know it was God? It's because I... In that moment, I knew God. I saw God's love for me, right? Even if I was healed of something or something took place, that was all amazingly good. Those are very tangible. What, what gets me, like if you wonder why I cry, it's because I'm a brick. I'm, but, 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 you know, I'm a crier. You don't have to be a crier, by the way. It's fine not to be a crier. But for me, the reason I cry is I feel God's love. And it's so much bigger than I thought it was the day before. I mean, it's just... And so, um, I just encourage you to invite him in. He loves you with an everlasting love that won't fail. As a father has loved 
Jesus. That's how he loves you. He's lavished it on you. And the best thing you can do is to receive it. But there's that choice to let him in because the way in is the way on. So, I'd like the worship team to come up. We're going to do a little practice here as we move into worship. It won't be very long. But we're just going to do something real simple. You can do this on your own afterwards. Do as many times as you like. Sit in a private place. Close your eyes. Give yourself some time to settle. Maybe you want to just thank God for a while, whatever you'd like to. Picture Jesus looking at you in the eyes. You know, sometimes God will speak unique things, but this is right out of Scripture, so you don't have to question, like, is that me, or making that up? No. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. So close your eyes. Let's just close with that, and we're going to move right into worship. But this is part of worship. As you imagine Jesus approaching you, you usually can feel what that would feel like. Jesus coming and he's not looking down, he's looking right at you. Now, if you're really using your imagination and just try to really visualize this, it is a little hard look Jesus in the eyes, but do your best. God is gracious, but do your best to look him in the eyes as you can imagine him wanting to communicate to you. Now take in what he says. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. We thank you, God, for your undeserved, perfect love. Unconditional love. And I pray that we can just respond to you now by yielding ourselves to you, whether it be sitting quietly and receiving from you, worshiping. We pray that in our words of worship that we will open our hearts wide, that we'll allow you into places that you're wanting to come in and, and dwell in.